Thank you for listening to Overcomers Church International Weekly Message. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened as you hear the Word of God. I'm going to share with you today just kind of an interesting message that I've been, I feel like I've been mulling over in my, uh, and if we could have a little lightage in here, that would be great so they could see. Um, but uh, something I've been mulling over in, in my life for a, a while, it came to me and I was having a conversation this past week and it just came out and I thought, I think that would be a good thing to minister. And so you're going to be guinea pigs here this morning and I'm going to share this. And if you don't like it, just smile at me and just pretend you like it and, and amen me because I get done quicker when people, actually, I think I go longer when people amen me because I'm like, oh, they're really getting it. I'm going to keep going. So you just do whatever you want to do and it's just fine. But, um, but I, I, I was having a conversation with somebody this week and this past week. And when I said something, it's like all of it, all of it, this came out and I thought, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to share that because I'm not going to be here next week. Katie's going to be here next, uh, next week. She's going to minister about all the things that she's been ministering to your kids. It's powerful stuff. You won't want to miss next week. And then the following week, I'm going to get into some other things. But so I just thought for this week, I'm going to share just, just a little bit of my heart concerning how I pastor a church, but also really how I pastor my life. You realize that I'm in charge of pastoring, leading this church, but you're really in charge of leading your life. I'm not your Holy Ghost. Amen. It's not my job to have your relationship with the Lord for you. I find so many times that people, they'll come to me for prayer, and they just want boom. They just want instantaneous change. And I've been to people before, too, when I wanted instantaneous change. How many of y'all know when you're suffering, you just want to be out of the suffering, whatever it is? But most things change when we get before the Lord and say, God, help me. And this is between me and you, Lord. And so I've found that this is how I am in my own life, but it's also how I am pastoring a church. And so I, this just came out of me. And I said, you know, pastoring a church is like driving a school bus down the road very carefully. And the goal is, is that you don't want to end off in one ditch or in the other, that there's a balance. And there's a lot of things that you could throw into that as far as how we need to be balanced with things. But there's one thing in particular that I've found that I've really worked to keep a, a balance of, and I do this in my own life, and so it's become very beneficial to me. And that is the balance between our position and our condition. Because every one of us who have been born of the Spirit of God have a position in Him. When I say position, I'm not talking about a title. I'm talking about your sonship that you have with Him or your daughtership if you're a woman, I guess, right? But the Bible just says sonship. So it, we have a position, but then we also have condition. And for a lot of years, I spent time, and it was good that I, I learned how to drive the bus in my own life before I started driving the bus for everybody else as well. Because I spent a lot of time, and I, and I needed to in my own life, dealing with my position that I had in Christ and that I do have in Christ. And there's all kind. I mean, there's, we can go through the New Testament and most of the New Testament deals with your position. It deals with who you are in Christ. It deals with the fact that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that he has made you righteous, that he has made you holy, that you're seated with him in heavenly places. Man, you, you could just stop right there. And the fact that you're seated with him in heavenly places that is one powerful truth right there. And it says that, that we are joint heirs with him. You know what a joint heir means? It doesn't mean that, that we get some of his stuff 
or he might, you know, we might just inherit a, a part of it. It means that everything that Jesus has inherited from the Father, we get every one of those same attributes has been given to us. We've been blessed with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I mean, the, we've been healed, uh, set apart, prospered. I mean, the list goes on of all of the things that we have in our position. And I spent a long time dealing with my position. And as a lot of you know, in the last couple of years, the Lord has taken dreams and he started to deal with our condition, right? And so I had to bring this into balance in my own life because the dreams, for those of you that don't know, most of the time, and when I, whenever I read about in Joel and then and later in Acts, when it was quoted about dreams, I thought dreams would always would be about just just magnificent things and glorious things and people coming out of wheelchairs and, you know, you know, nations being shaken. And I'm not saying God doesn't give those dreams. He does. But most of the dreams have been, for me, have been about, Kent, you know, you've got that attitude going on inside of you. You know, you're not treating Liz exactly the way that you need to treat her. And she's had a lot of dreams about treating me the wrong way as well, just so everybody's clear. <laughs> not really. Not really. Let's, don't console her because she gets, she gets, uh, nobody harps on her, but it's always on me. So, but for good reason anyways. And so most of these dreams have been dealing with our condition and who can relate to that. If you've had dreams in here, it's been a lot about God pointing his finger on, look, I want you to do this and I want you to deal with this and I want you to deal with this heart issue and you're not trusting me here. And you've got this, this thing, this unforgiveness that's been hanging. I mean, all of these different kind of things and what, what we have to be careful of is that if, if we're driving down this, this ministry road and I'm in the driver's seat and, and driving and you say, well, how are you qualified to drive? It's uh, just because I have a, a hat on, I guess. I got the bus driver hat on and I'm doing it. Basically, a pastor is somebody who is just called and might just be one step ahead of you. And if he doesn't keep up, then other people are going to overrun him. Amen. That's basically me. I just, I just work to just stay ahead of the game a little bit as much as I can and just trust God. But anyways, so I have to be careful. And this is what I do in my own life. And it's also what I do with the church that we don't get off in a ditch one way or the other so much. And it's not that looking at our condition is bad or focusing on our position is bad. But if you only stay in that, you don't pay attention to the other thing. And I was around people for a lot of years. You guys are the position side and you guys are the condition side because you've been dealing with people's conditions. So that makes sense to me. And so anyways, uh, thank you, Jesus, for counseling and deliverance ministry and all that. But anyways, um, so if you only stay, and I, I've been with people for a lot of years that they, they only talk about the position that they have in Christ. And that's been where I've been at for a lot of years. And I, and I love talking about that. I mean, my message, my life message, if I could boil it down to one thing, it's who we are in Christ, in specific, the righteousness that we have in Christ Jesus. But I, there was a lot of years where I spent talking about that, but I had a lot of things in my condition that were, were not right, that needed, that needed to be changed. And so when the Lord started talking to me about areas in my life, like, Lord, I, or Kent, I want you to deal with these things, I, I didn't understand how to balance this properly. And it's like, Lord, but I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And he's like, look, I understand that. I wrote the scripture verses and I told you about it, but you've got these areas over here that aren't quite right and don't reflect who you properly are on the inside as not being manifest out on the outside. 
And so here's, here's a word, a phrase that the Lord gave me. And this, this just really, really made a lot of sense to me. He said, your position, and you can write this down, your position needs no conditioning. You, who you are in Christ needs no conditioning. But your, pos, your condition needs constant repositioning. Let me say it again. I'm going to see if I can get some more amens out of this. <laughs> Stick another quarter in and pull it and see if I get some more change out. Your position needs no conditioning. In other words, in Christ Jesus, who you are in the spirit, you are perfect, you are holy, you are sanctified, you are set apart, you are made right, and there's not anything in your condition that's going to change your position. So your position, who you are in Christ, needs no conditioning. However, on the flip side, in a major way, who all can relate to this, that your condition needs lots of repositioning. If you don't believe that, then the, actually the Bible says you're a liar. Because it says that if, if we say that we have no sin, then we're a liar. And when we're talking about problems in our condition, we're talking about sin. It may not be some big, huge, major sin. It could be, or what we would call major. It could just be missing the mark. I can tell you, I constantly miss the mark. I have a goal in my family that I will walk in love, that I will honor my wife, that I will love her, I will treat her properly, and that I will honor my children. I won't provoke them to anger as the scripture talks about. And there's lots of things as a father that I have goals set out that are proper goals because my position in Christ says that that should be working in my life. But there are many times, and I even had a time this, this past week where I was tired and there were some things going on and, and I just blew my stack just a little bit. I didn't go too far with it, but I blew my stack. And so then I set my stuff down, what I was doing. I walked upstairs to one of my sons and I put my arm around him and I said, I am so sorry that I said what I did in the way that I did. I didn't mean it. I can make excuses, but it was my problem and it was my issue. And I should not have said what I did to you in the way that I did. You know what that is? That's recognizing that my condition is not fully where it needs to be yet. But I have this confidence in Christ that just because I've got some issues on my flesh side, because see, we've got flesh, but we are a spirit on the inside, that just because I have some conditional issues, it hasn't changed my position one iota. You're not going to, you're not going to sin so hard and so bad that, and I know there's a lot of people that believe differently about this, and that's between you and the Lord. I'm just, I've got the microphone, so I'm just going to say it. You're not going to condition yourself out of your position. And, and immediately people go, was it once saved, always saved? I'm not even going to get into that. Because I found that most, most of the time that when people, they go to that place, it's like they really don't have a revelation of what God has really done and how he's positioned them. Because when I got a revelation of it, I didn't, I didn't immediately start asking, well, well God, how, how much can I really get away with here? <laughs> See, the law, the, the law draws a line. And it always says that you can get away with this much and you're fine. But if you cross over the line, that's when you get in trouble. 
But when you begin to relate to the Lord according to your position, you realize what he's done for you. You won't want to get anywhere close to the line. You'll say, oh, the line's that way. I'm going to just go ahead and go over this way because I don't want to have anything to do with that. So for me, I don't even ask like once saved, always saved. I just know that God changed me. He saved me. He's he's given me his righteousness. He's made me righteous. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. And even when I miss it or blow it, even intentionally if I miss it or blow it, come on, let's be honest, who in here has heard from the Lord on a particular day, I want you to read your Bible, or I want you to talk to this person, or I want you to do this thing, and you flat out, you just didn't do it. Come on, let's be honest. We may not intentionally say, I'm going to blow it, but we have very intentionally disobeyed God at times when he's told us to do something. And, and people will say, oh, well, that's a little thing. Well, the Bible says that to him that offends, offends in one point is guilty of the entire thing. You're guilty of breaking the whole law. So whether you've committed murder or you've just had anger in your heart that could eventually lead to murder, it's the same thing according to the law. And so you're either right with God or you're not right with God. If it's dependent upon your works, you're in trouble because everybody misses it. It says to him that knows to do right and does it not, to him it is a sin. So if you knew that day that you were supposed to read your Bible, write a new song or whatever it is, whatever it, it was according to the law, if you missed it, then you're guilty before the Lord. So if what Jesus has done is not enough to keep you in right position, that means that every single time you miss it or you blow it, and I can promise you that you miss it and you blow it in ways that you don't even know that you miss it. So if, if our position changes because of our condition, then that means that every single thing that we do wrong, we have to go and bring it before the Lord constantly. I did this, I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this, so that we stay in right position. If, that was, if it was dependent on that, every one of us would go to hell. None of us would be in right position and right standing with the Lord. Amen. This is really important that we understand this because people live at a place, so many people live at a place to where they are so looking at their condition, so they're driving the bus down the road and they're looking at their condition side so hard and, and they're leaning that way. And so for me, pastoring the church, I don't want to go this way too hard or people over here go like that. And I don't want to go this way too hard or vice versa and people get tossed around. I just want to keep it down the road. But if we're not careful, we, we get to this place where we're looking so hard at all of our issues and our mistakes and our problems and what our dad did and the abuse and the da 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 You fill in the blank. Before you know it, you look at how worthless you are and the natural and how much you've missed it, and then you start to go, you know what? I'm not even sure if I am right with God anymore. I'm not even sure if positionally I'm still stationed in a right place where God can have fellowship with me. This is why when you come to this place, you always have to be reminding uh, reminding yourself of where you really are with him. And if you wonder how does this look, it's a simple breakdown of spirit, soul, and body. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians, maybe it's 1 Thessalonians 5 and 20. 523, it says, may the God of peace sanctify you wholly, your whole spirit, soul, and body may be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus. So we are made up of a spirit, a soul, and a body. I've heard it said like this before, that we are a spirit, we possess a soul, and we live in a body. I think that that's probably a pretty good way to say it. And when we got born again, 
Our spirit is the part of us that changed. Do we not believe? Does everybody in here believe the Bible is 100% true? Let me just see a show of hands. Everybody believe that? It says that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And then it goes on to tell us that he has made us, that he took sin upon him, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So our, our change happened, the change happened inside of our spirit, but we can look by process of elimination or by process of elimination, we can tell that it happened in our spirit because our soul, which a lot of people get your soul, they get their soul and their spirit mixed up. Your spirit, man, is the part of you that's just like God. It bears the image of God as the fullness of God. It's been perfected. It's been made right. All of those things, that's what's inside of our spirit, man. But your soul in simplicity, it's your mind, it's your will, and it's your emotions. Different than what your spirit is. Everybody in here has a mind. Most people do, I think, anyways. Have a mind, I'm just kidding, a will, and emotions. And everybody in here can relate to the fact that our will has not always been in alignment with his will at different times in our life. Everybody, if you're honest, you can relate to that. That our minds have thought rotten thoughts from time to time, Right? That's our, our, and then we, our emotions, everybody can relate to the fact that our emotions have been totally out of check, been totally out of balance, and have been just totally messed up at different times. Why? Because it hasn't been changed. Not yet, it's in the process of changing. And then our body is just our, it's our earth suit, it's the outward part of us, it's what you see. So we, we have a soul and we have a body that are in the process of changing, but our spirit man has already been changed positively, 100%, totally complete in Christ Jesus. So when we talk about our position and our condition, that's what we're speaking to. That's what we're talking about. Positionally, your spirit man has been made right with Christ. It doesn't, it doesn't change. You're seated with him no matter what stuff God is dealing with you on. And I think that this is such an important message for us, for our church, because we've spent a lot of years, the last two years, excuse me, dealing with conditional things, right? By and large. I'm not saying we haven't reflected back and looked at the other, but we've spent a lot of time dealing with the problems and the issues, and we've seen a whole nother level of freedom come to us. That's because what's on the inside isn't going to manifest on the outside if the outside doesn't start to bear and represent what has really happened on the inside. And you know, you could, you, your condition could be totally screwed up for the rest of your life. And I know, I know, I know religious people have a hard time with this, but I, I can show you so many different ways from the word. And if you hang with me, I'm going to stick on the position side for a little bit here in the next several months. God's really downloaded some things for me to reveal that I'm going to encourage and strengthen you and bring great revelation to you. But there are a lot of people that, and I was going to say something that religious people don't like, and then I forgot what it was that I was going to say. But basically, they don't like to hear this, that your condition doesn't affect really where you are at positionally. It's because when I talk about religious people, I mean legalistic people is what I mean. Legalism always points towards what you are doing or what you are not doing. Legalistic people will glory 
and their ability to do something right and think that God is pleased with them because of their right actions. Someone who has come under grace understands that they don't have the ability to please God in their actions, that it only comes through putting faith in him, period. But if we have a legalistic mindset, oh man, I just wanna go here so bad, but I gotta gotta restrain myself because we're about out of time. If we have a legalistic mindset, I'm gonna go there a little bit. (laughs) It absolutely will destroy us. We've lived, most of us have grown up in in a church culture where we've heard so much about the law and how important the law is. And it's not just the law, but it's also the commandments of men. And it wasn't, here's one through 50 commandments of men, but there were things that you knew that you better do or not do. Otherwise, you possibly are gonna be cut off from the Lord. And it may not be said just like that, but it was implied enough that it's left enough people and enough fear that they don't even wanna go back and look at their position in Christ because they're so scared that they might've lost it that they can't even look at it anymore because everything has been focused on their condition. Why? Because legalistic people look at the conditional things being in order in order to obtain or have or keep right standing with the Lord. And I tell you that that is completely, completely wrong. Even the people under the old covenant were not justified before the Lord according to their actions, according to their works. They were justified by faith. But the difference in the new covenant, it's the same thing, we're justified by faith. But the sacrifice that was made did away with all of the old sacrifices that had been made previous. It tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, around verse one, it says, in fact, let's just read that really quickly. As soon as I get there, I'll, I'll read it. So Hebrews 11, pardon me, Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 In verse one, it says, for the law having a shadow of things, of the good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they have not ceased to have been offered? So in other words, if the sacrifices had really done what they were supposed to do, they would have stopped offering the sacrifices. It would have perfected them, but it didn't perfect them. It didn't make them right with the Lord. That's why they had to continue to offer them. For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. So this here says that when you go and you make sacrifices, and that's what they would do in, in our Gentile minds, we don't really understand this. But there was a big deal about going and taking something that you own and killing it and laying it on the altar and this big massacre would take place and it was all because of the wrong things that you had done. We don't really understand that, but just hopefully you can get some kind of picture here. That they would have to do this over and over and over and over every year, year after year, and they had all kinds of weekly and monthly and new moons and all these kind of sacrifices they would have to make. But it says in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Because in verse two, at the very end, it says that if they had been purified, they would have had no more consciousness of sins. Do you know that we are not supposed to have a consciousness of sin? We're not supposed to carry a sin consciousness? See, some people don't understand this because they think, oh, you're just supposed to pretend that we're, we don't do anything wrong. No, I'm not talking about that. We do stuff wrong. 
And I've heard this said about not having a sin conscience to such an extreme. I've heard people say, God doesn't even, he doesn't even know if you're sinning. No, I can, I can tell you firsthand, God knows when you're doing something wrong. He's put his finger on areas of my life more times than I'm willing to admit. God knows what you're doing wrong. But the idea of being, having a free conscience to, to where a conscience to where you're, you're not thinking about your sin, it, it really is talking about you feeling like you have to do something to keep in right standing with the Lord. Because that's what they had, that's what they did with the sacrifices they made. It was over and over and over and over. And it was always pointing to what they did wrong. It was really always pointing to what Adam did wrong. Because Adam and Adam and Eve put them in the condition that they were in, put them in the position that they were in. So now on this side of the cross, we look back at what Jesus has already done. It's an accomplished thing. It's a done deal. And he has now brought us into a new position in him to where sacrifices don't have to be made over and over and over and over again. So when we do miss it, we do blow it. Instead of looking at the wrong thing that we did, instead of trying to pray enough, instead of saying enough Hail Marys or Our Fathers or whatever it is that we do for penance, we just go to the Lord and we say, Thank you, Jesus, that my condition doesn't determine my position because my position has been set in Christ Jesus. I've been saved. I've been perfected forever because I put my faith and my trust in you and not in my sacrifices, not in my penance, not in my ability to recall all of the wrong things, but it's totally, completely in you, 100%. So let me say this too, and then I'm going to kind of quit with this. Let me say this, that, did I say kind of quit? <laughs> this is going to be new to most of you, but Acts, not this part, but what I'm getting ready to say, Acts to Revelation is New Covenant. The Gospels, I call them transitional, but technically they were Old Covenant. Jesus was bringing in a New Covenant. And you know from Acts all the way through Revelation, only one time does it ever talk about confessing your sins. You know what's necessary for us to be born again? Most people would say confess your sin. It doesn't. It says that you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Our salvation, the very root of our salvation, in the same way we receive Christ Jesus, so walk in him. How did we receive Christ Jesus? Through faith in what he did, not in rehearsing all of our bad stuff. Because Jesus brought in a new way, a new covenant that we relate to God in a new way. Only one time is it say about confessing our sins, and that's in 1 John and 1, 9, which I believe has been severely misunderstood and abused. And really, it's not pointing to, it does say, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So we've had this big focus, and I've heard people say, if you don't confess your sin, man, you're not going to make it. You've got to confess your sin. Well, which sins do you have to confess? I mean... The murder and the, and the adultery, those are obvious. And so, yeah, that's, but <laughs> most people don't really, really believe that. Otherwise, they would be sitting and just confessing sins over and over and over and over and over and over. But we've not understood the point of the verse. The, vo- the verse isn't speaking to our ability to confess. It's speaking to his ability to forgive. 
It says that if you confess your sins, he's faithful. He is a faithful God. He'll forgive, he'll forgive you of everything. Why? Because positionally right now in Christ Jesus, you have been made right. You're seated with him. And if it's sin that gets you out of that position, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 6, and I don't have time to go into it, but that once you're removed from that position, you can't go back. So if it was sin, then the next time you sin, don't even bother coming to church again. Don't even bother praying again. But what most people, I think that they wouldn't put it like this, but the, the epitome of what most people believe is like, yeah, you sinned. Now you're kicked off the throne. You're not seated with me any longer. Oh, Jesus, let me just back up. Okay, okay, you can come back up. Oh, you sinned, kicked off the throne. And they live their life in and out, in their conscience, in and out of their position in Christ. And if you are in and out of your position in Christ, and this is where I want to go, but I don't have time to go there. If you're in and out of your position in Christ, the devil will destroy you. Because the people that are confident in who they are and where God has seated them and where he's positioned them, those are the ones that have all the authority to come against every single work of the devil and to live a life in victory because they know that their authority doesn't come from their ability to keep the law or to live a perfect life. Their ability comes from the grace of God that's been bestowed upon them, this righteousness that they have in Christ and the fact that they've just put faith in his ability and he has seated them there. That's what causes me to have authority over every single day devil and demon and sickness and disease and poverty and whatever it is that comes against me, I know that my authority comes from him and it doesn't come from me because as soon as I blow it or I miss it, I know that I'm not going to have authority over the devil. But you know that the old covenant was made between Abraham and, and God and a covenant is only as strong as its weakest link. Who was the weak link there? Abraham was the weak link. As soon as Abraham would have gotten out of faith, the covenant would have been broken. But you know that it says that between two immutables, this is in Hebrews, I think somewhere around close to where we're at, between two immutables, which means two unchangeables, he made a covenant. And the two unchangeables was God the Father and God the Son with the blood of Jesus. The covenant that we're in with the Lord, it's not even about us. All we do is we enter into it through faith. The covenant is made between God and Jesus. It's not kept because of our faithfulness. It's kept because of his faithfulness. Ooh. If that don't make you shout, I don't know what would. And so the people that have been in the, in the conditional ditch for so long, even to the point to where they've become legalistic, and they've been in this ditch, they hear that, and they either are so tired of being there that they shout and say, I want to come over on this ditch, and then the pendulum swings so far the other way. <laughs> now, you know what I'm talking about? If you're this way, it'll, it'll swing so far the other way so often. But most of the time, the people over here, they hear that, and they say, oh, well, people are, they're going to live in sin if you do that. That's not for my testimony. Because when I started to understand this stuff, my pursuit begin to be about, God, I want to be free from the conditional things that are holding me back. I want to be free from the conditional things that are causing me to not do what I know that you've called me to do. But I know that even though my condition is still messed up, it hasn't changed my position that I am with you. I know how you have really made me. And I've even had people say, oh, well, aren't you? You just think you're something special saying you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Listen, yeah, I am something special. Amen, I agree. There's two kinds of righteousness. 
There's the kind of righteousness that you have and that you walk in and that you operate, a carnal fleshly righteousness. And the Bible says that it's as a filthy rag. It's nasty and it's disgusting and it's a, it's a stench in the nostrils of God. When you think that you can live at some level to where God will accept you, that's nastiness to God. But then there's a righteousness that comes from him that he gives you simply because you say, God, I can't do it. I have to have you. I need you. Lord, I need you to change me from the inside out. I'm tired of trying to change myself from the outside in because it is not working. And what you find and you push back all the nonsense that says people are going to live in sin, if you do that, you push all of that back, you step into your position, you acknowledge it, you recognize it, you camp there, and you watch how the power of God flows through his grace in your life, and eventually it begins to push off the conditions in your life that don't need to be there that are causing you to be hindered from being able to witness and do the things that you want to do. You need to understand this. This is so important. People outwardly are affected positively or negatively depending on your actions. God is not affected by your actions. He's affected by your faith. This is why Romans says that we are justified by faith and not by our works. But if you go over into the book of James, it says that we're not justified by faith alone, but we have to have works that back up that correspond with that faith. And so this has been confusing for a, a long time for a lot of people. Let me set the confusion straight. Romans is before God. We are justified fully by faith in God and not by your actions. Oh, I could just talk about this forever. Because when I got a hold of this, it was like, oh, the performance is over. I don't have to perform for God anymore. I don't have to do anything. He just loves me. He just accepts me because of who Jesus is. And I just believe in it. Simple as that. Hallelujah. Man, that's awesome. Where was I going to go over here until I got all excited again? Yeah, so faith before people, you can say I'm loved by God, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, and God's changed me and he saved me and I'm on my way to heaven, and you can do the Holy Ghost, Pentecostal, two charismatic shuffle or whatever, but if your life doesn't display, whatever that is, if your life doesn't display the faith that you have, before men, then it's completely void in their eyes. James was written about our life before men, but Romans was written about our life before the Father. Let me show you this in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 11. I'm quitting here. And every priest stands ministering daily. Hebrews 10, 11. Every priest stands, stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Oh. Okay, hold your place there. I have to show you this verse. It's so important. If you flip back to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 10, and this, I'm, this is jumping in right here, but this is talking about, it's talking about the, east, the, the, the earthly service and priesthood. And it jumps right in here. And it's talking about all the things that they do. And it says, concerned only with foods and drinks, talking about the priests and various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until, everyone say until, the time of reformation. Reformation doesn't mean you throw the old system out. It means you reform the system that's there. Sacrifices were needed. Blood was required for covenant to be there and be in step to be right. Take that and plug it in here. Verse 11 again. And every priest stands ministering daily. Why? Because the time of reformation, of reformation hadn't come yet. They stand ministering daily, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Verse 12, but this man, 
after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever. How many of y'all know that forever is talking about time? Sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Verse 14, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. This tells me that by the one sacrifice, by the, the one act that Jesus did, that he came in to the, to the mercy seat, to the, to the throne room of heaven, and shed as the high priest, and shed the blood of the lamb, his own blood, on the mercy seat of heaven. And it was a one sacrifice for all time, for all people. And if you go on and read, it says, it says that it has given us eternal redemption. Do you know what eternal means? It means it's perpetual. It doesn't end. It continues throughout eternity. And your actions, good or bad, don't change the position that you have in Christ Jesus. You've been saved. You've been sealed. God's changed you forever and forever and forever and forever. And that won't ever change because of your condition. So next time the accuser comes to you and he says, Remember that thing that you said back over here? Because see, sometimes God will put his finger on something, but sometimes that you did wrong, but sometimes the devil will. And when God does it, it's to say, hey, I want to help you make this adjustment in your life because I don't, want, I don't want you to be hindered in the future. But when the devil does it, he comes in and he accuses and he brings accusation. He eventually brings you into condemnation. But his whole goal is to strip you of your authority. Because if you, can be, if you go back to the place of thinking that you conditionally have to be approved before the Lord, you're never going to do, you're never going to have your condition in good enough shape to be approved by God. But when we understand that he's the accuser of the brethren, but that God has justified me, he's sanctified me, he's glorified me, he's positioned me right with him. When we, get, when we see that and we recognize that and the devil comes and says, hey, remember that thing you did? You go, mm-hmm, I know that, but uh, let's talk to the father about this. Uh, judge, <laughs> what about this thing that I did? And Jesus steps in and says, I got an answer for this. Remember my blood that was shed? It covered that thing. It covered the past thing. It covered the present thing. And just in case you want to come in and accuse anymore, it even covered the future tense sin that they're going to do. Oh, pastor, that's going to cause people to live in sin. No, it won't. It'll cause them to be free before God because they don't have to go into the throne room and wonder, is he going to strike me down? Is he going to accuse me? No, God's not going to accuse you. He's not going to accuse you of something that that Jesus has redeemed you from. He has justified you. He's declared you righteous. He's declared you holy. He's redeemed you. He's set you on a high place. You don't ever have to go into the throne room of heaven and wonder, is God going to love me? Is he going to accept me? He will always accept you because the blood of Jesus has declared you accepted. Hallelujah. I teach by design. I preach because I get excited. But man, I I love this. I love this. And you know, the more you understand this, the deeper you understand this, your condition starts to look a whole lot better. Because when the devil looks at your condition and then you start to look at your condition, you go, oh boy, I better clean that up. Oh, I need to change that thing. You don't have power to change your flesh. You don't have power to do anything. That's what the grace of God is all about. You stay over in this place and yeah, you can see conditionally, 
there's some problems there. And that's when you go back to the Father, and it says that we have, we have boldness to enter the, the, the throne room of grace, to receive grace and mercy in our time of need. How do we have boldness? Because positionally we're right with him. And we don't come in in ignorance or, or without reverence, but we can go, you know what? That just so happens, Lord, that the devil pointed a, a fault out. And actually, that is a fault that I've got going on. I thank you that I can stand here boldly, and I'm asking for your grace to help me to move past that thing in my life. I don't want to have that issue. I don't want to have that problem. I don't want to do it. It doesn't reflect the nature that I have on the inside. I don't want to do that thing anymore. You understand the difference? Because then your focus goes from the problem and listening to the accuser to looking at the problem solver who can empower you to get past that thing. So when we're steering the bus of life, don't ever forget where you're really at and who you're really seated with. But at the same time, when the Lord comes in and he's doing something to bring another level of purity and holiness in your condition, allow him to do that thing. It's not a reflection of the relationship you have with him because you have the problem. It's a reflection of your lack of understanding when you don't allow him to put his finger on the problem to fix the thing because he's a, he's a holy God. He's a father. We really come to him as a father first, but he is a holy God. He wants holiness from us. He requires holiness from us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to stop there. Hallelujah. Man, it's hard to stop. I, this, is, this is what I, this excites me more than anything else. And it's not because I think I'm something special. It's because I know I'm not. I know I'm nothing special. Not on my own anyways, but because of what he's done for me. It's awesome. He could take the worst person in the world and turn them into something just powerful just like that, when they say, God, I can't trust, I'm not trusting him anymore, but I'm going to trust in you. Amen. Will you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. I don't think there's any way I could talk about this without at least giving opportunity. If there's anybody that's, you've never, you've never made Jesus Lord. If you don't get saved now, I don't know what it'll take to save you. Man, that's powerful. If you've never made Jesus Lord, would you just close your eyes for a moment? If that's you, if you say, man, I've never, I've never really trusted in the Lord for his righteousness. I've been trusting in my own righteousness. Actually, I'm going to make this a little, I'm going to make this a little bit bigger. I'm going to do this on a little more big scale. This could include someone who's never given their heart to the Lord, but it could include some of you that you say, I've really just been trusting in my ability and not in the Lord's ability. If you can say that, if you could say, man, I've just been I've been looking to myself and I've been looking to how I've missed it, how I've blown it, how I haven't done things right. And I've allowed Satan to accuse me consistently over and over and over. And it's beat me down and I'm in condemnation. And I really am not trusting in the righteousness that I have in Christ Jesus. If that's you, I just want you, I'm not even going to call you forward. I just want you to stick your hand up in agreement that, that you're going to receive this, that you're not going to live underneath of condemnation. Thank you, Jesus. Hold your hand up just for a moment. I know there's probably several more, and you're like, well, I feel like I should know this because I've heard this before. And I'm, look, if you're not walking it out, let's pray and agree. And I like what Brother Andrew says, that if you don't raise your hand, that this won't work for you. You have to be bold and step out in faith. You can't bootleg this prayer, amen. You have to just stick your hand up in faith and say, God, yes, this is me. 
This is me. If that's you, you say, I've been living underneath the condemnation. Just ra- actually raise both of your hands up and say, this is me. I received this in my life. I received this message, and I'm going to walk out of here forever changed, never to go back to listen to the lies of the enemy. Thank you, Jesus. Boy, at least half of the hands are up here. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, I come in agreement right now. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for the power of your word. God, I only read about two scripture verses, and I have 30 more I could go to, and I will. But, Father, I thank you for the power that's in your word that declares us to be, to be free from the old lifestyle, not just of sin, but, God, the old lifestyle of trying to please you in our actions. But, God, we're, we're pleased. You're pleased with us because we simply trust in what Jesus has done. And we stand in this place steadfastly having peace before you, knowing who we are, fully convinced of what you've done for us. And Father, I thank you for every hand that's up, that the enemy is underneath of their feet, and that they stand firmly in the position that they have in Christ Jesus, that they know who they are, that it goes deeper, that they keep digging this well deeper and deeper and deeper about who they really are. And every time that they go down deeper, God, when you reveal things that need to change in their condition, they're not condemned about it. They'll just say, thank you, Jesus, for revealing that. And thank you for your grace to help me to change that area in my life and my heart that needs to be changed. God, we thank you and praise you. I declare blessing, supernatural favor on every one of these, every one of these saints in here in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Love you. Thank you for listening to the weekly message. To find out more about Overcomers Church International and to hear more messages like this one, please visit our website at ociperryville.com.